Section 13 of Northern Trails, Book 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Melissa Jean. Northern Trails, Book 2, by William J. Long. The Story of Copseep, Part 1. One late autumn, a few years ago, a big salmon came up to the headwaters of the river and sought out a place for herself where she might hide her eggs. All summer long she had journeyed slowly up the river, resting below the falls and rapids to gather her strength, and choosing the bright moonlit nights to hurry up through the riffles, where Mooween the bear was waiting to catch her as she passed. Now, with most of the danger and all of the effort behind her, she came straight to the shallows at the mouth of a cold brook, where the bottom was covered with sand and yellow pebbles. Where the current rippled evenly over its bed of golden gravel, she found the place she was seeking, and, like fishhawks returning in the spring, her first care was to repair the nest that had been used for centuries by other salmon. Her broad tail fanned away the coating of mud that had settled over the petals, and the current swept it away downstream. Bits of rotten wood and twigs and leaves that had jammed among the stones she took up with her mouth and carried to one side, leaving the rest all white and clean. As she worked, a great male fish, with a kipper hook on its lower jaw, came surging up and chose her for his mate, and then began circling about her, fighting the other salmon and chasing away the trout that swarmed hungrily about waiting for the feast of salmon eggs that was to follow. When the nest was at last ready, the big male fish came and ploughed long furrows through it with the beak that had been growing on the point of his lower jaw for this purpose ever since he entered fresh water. These furrows were fanned clean with tails and fins, and then his mate, settling upon the nest, began depositing her eggs, thousands and thousands of them, so many that had they all hatched and grown, the river must have been full of salmon." That was a busy time for the old male with the hooked jaw. As the eggs were laid, he covered them hurriedly with gravel to keep the current from washing them away and to hide them from the little trout and pars that flashed about like sunbeams and that, spite of his fierce snaps and rushes, would dart in to grab a mouthful and scud away to eat it under the banks or the stones where he could not follow them. At times the little bandits seemed to hunt in packs like wolves, and while the big salmon was chasing one of their number, the others would flash in and gobble up all the uncovered tidbits. They would even steal under the mother salmon and snatch away the eggs as they were laid, till the old male came surging back and scattered them like a puff of smoke into their unseen dens. At last, however, the eggs were all laid, and covered up safely where even the pars could not find them, and in spite of all losses there were thousands enough left in every nest to warrant a full supply of young salmon. Then scores of the great fish, which had grown lank and dingy and faint from their five months' fast and their tremendous efforts in running up the river, rested a while, lying like logs all over the shallows, until the nights grew intensely still, and over the quiet pools the ice began to tinkle its winter warning. A subtle command ran along the river, which our salmon, like all other fish, seemed to obey without knowing why or how they did so. One morning they all turned in the current at the same moment, and went speeding back to the sea leaving to the little brook the task of hatching their offspring. And the little brook, which was used to such things, at once took up the work, singing to itself the same glad little song that it had crooned for a thousand years over the hidden cradles of all the young salmon it had ever brooded. The winter passed slowly, a current of fresh water passed continually over the hidden treasures, and when the ice broke up in the spring there was a general breaking up down among the eggs in the gravel nest. Something stirred vigorously within an egg, lodged between two white pebbles. The covering broke, and out glided Copseep, a tiny male salmon. In an instant, following his instinct, 
he had settled in the tiny eddy behind one of the pebbles and from this shadowy hiding-place he took his first look at the big world all around him the tiny salmon were making their way out of the nest as they emerged the current seemed to sweep them away like mist but in reality each one darted for the nearest stone or cover and vanished as if the bed of the river had opened to swallow him quick as they were a score of them were seized by the hungry little trout and pars that swarmed in the shallows each one hiding under a stone and watching like a hawk for food but copseep was safe under his root whither he had darted from the shelter of his first pebble and his struggle with the world had begun for a year he had lived in the shallows as a little par hiding from his enemies and eating of the insect life that swarmed in the water then as he grew in strength and quickness he took to chasing and catching the tiny eels that squirmed in the mud under the still reaches of the brook and would flash up from the bottom and out into the sunshine to catch and pull down a passing fly after every sortie he would whirl and dart like a sunbeam under his root again no need to look for enemies they were all about him and he always took it for granted that they were waiting to catch him and that his safety lay in getting back to the cover of his own den before they had noticed his movements occasionally spite of his lightning dash a little trout would spy him and dart between him and his sheltering root and then copseep would make use of a trick which every little salmon seems to know by instinct he would dart away with a troutlet after him to where the bottom was softest and whirl up a muddy cloud into which his enemy dashed headlong then before the troutlet could find him copseep was hidden under an inch of soft mud or else fearing the big eels he would scoop back under a cover of the muddy screen to his own root whither no enemy ever followed him as for the troutlet he had speedily his own troubles to attend to besides the larger fish which always chased at smaller ones that dared show themselves in open water the mink was gliding in and out like a shadow kingfishers dropped in like plummets getting a fish at almost every plunge and the sheldrakes that had a nest just above were frightfully destructive eating scores of trout in every day's fishing so the troutlet after one confused instant in the mud cloud would forget our little samlet and flash away to his own den thankful if he had himself escaped being seen and chased while he was chasing somebody else in the midst of all these dangers the par lived and throve mightily and if one can judge from his play for he had already begun to leap out of still water and tumble back with resounding splash in the quiet afternoons he revelled in the strength and gladness of life and the abundance of good things to be had for the chasing in his first autumn the big salmon appeared again in the shallows to spawn and copseep joined his fellows in scooting about and stealing the eggs whenever the big male with the hooked jaw was occupied in covering the furrows or chasing away the horde of active little robbers that swarmed about him copseep was now nearly six inches long having increased a hundredfold in his weight in a few months catching a glimpse of him as he flung himself out of the waters in vigorous play you would have seen a beautiful little creature his eyes bright as stars his gleaming sides sprinkled with bright vermilion spots and crossed with the dark blue bars or finger marks which indicate the par state and with exquisite pearly shells covering the deep red gills on either side a trout you might have said as he rose like a flash to your fly but another look would have told you plainly that he was more graceful and powerful and likewise much more beautiful than any trout that ever came out of the water all winter long he lay by his den seeking little food and growing strangely lazy when spring came a curious change crept over him when he ventured into still water and looked in the wonderful mirror there which was the under surface of the pool and which you can see yourself by looking up obliquely into a glass of water 
he saw that all the beautiful bars and spots of his fellows were slowly disappearing being covered up by a new growth of silver scales by the middle of may the new scales had covered all his body a curious uneasiness filled him as nature whispered that the new suit she had given him was for a new life and at the word Copseep turned tail to the current and went speeding down the river where he had never been before he was a smolt now and all his brothers from the same nest were speeding down the river with him leaving their sisters still in their bright par coats playing and feeding about the shallows where they were born it was a wonderful journey for our little smolt the more so because he had never before ventured away from the home brook and he knew not why he went nor whither he was going on the long rushing migration down and down he hurried now shooting easily through the dancing riffles now whirling along the rush and tumble of a boiling rapid and now caught up with irresistible force and hurled outward into a white chaos where all his universe seemed to be falling blindly into space that roared and trembled beneath him but always his first instinct to keep close to bottom was with him and even in the worst of rapids a turn of his tail would send him down to where the water eddied and rolled leisurely among the stones while the rush and uproar went on harmlessly overhead and everywhere he went he had a sense of comradeship of hosts that were moving onward with him to the same end for the river was full of smotes gliding dodging flashing like silver everywhere in the cool dark eddies and all moving swiftly downward to the sea so they passed from the hills to the low marshlands and lakes and here they met shoals of great silver fish their own mothers beginning their long journey upward to the shallows which the smolts had just left behind them a new flavour came into the water as they followed the slow current it was the taste of the sea and a great thrill and tingle passed through the shoal of smolts making them leap for joy and dash onward down through the gentle surges of the tide down faster and faster till they scattered suddenly and hid as another shoal of great salmon flashed into sight with a score of seals darting and twisting after them like so many black demons over the hidden smolts passed the chase like the rush of a tornado then the little fellows darted out of their hiding and quivered onward till they passed deep under the surge and thunder of the breakers and vanished into the cool green forests of kelp and seaweed that waved their soft arms everywhere on the ocean's floor beckoning the frightened little wanderers to rest and safety here they waited a few days and fed abundantly and looked out with wonder from their green coverts as from a window at the strange new life that passed by them hermit crabs and starfish and sea robins and skates and stingrays and lobsters and dolphins and peter grunters all with some outlandish peculiarity or some queer crazy way of flitting about like dwarves or hobgoblins so that every day wonderland itself seemed to pass in procession before their windows but the fever of migration was still upon them and soon the shoal was moving onward more eagerly than before new dangers met them with every mile strange and savage monsters with goggle eyes and stickle backs and huge gaping mouths surged out at them from coverts of rock and kale and sea moss and from the bottom itself where they looked like bits of innocent mud flatfish and flounders leaped up into the very midst of the passing shoal but their life in the quick waters of the brooks had made these little smolts like bundles of tempered steel springs they were quicker far than the big savage bandits that looked so much more dangerous than they really were and our own little smolt found no difficulty in dodging them and hiding under a frond of kelp till they had surged by so the shoal passed on still following the almost imperceptible flavour of their own river till they were nearly twenty miles out at sea and up from the bottom rose a ridge of rocky hills covered with waving sea growth 
Here the fever suddenly left them, and the shoal scattered, each to his own little den, just as they had done in the shallows, far away in the green wilderness. A new and wonderful life had begun for Copsey, and the very best thing about it was the abundance of good things to eat. Millions of minute crustacea, tender and delicious, would swarm at times over his den, filling the water full of food and colouring it bright pink, like a tomato soup. He had only to swim lazily through it once or twice, with his mouth open, and come back gorged to his den, as if he had been swimming around in a rich pudding. In an hour he was hungry, and would roll up through his strange food bath, filling himself again and again, till the swarm passed on with the tides. Then, led by his perpetual hunger, he passed over the rocky ridge to where the ocean's floor slanted upward, and spread out into broad level plains. Here the cod had laid their eggs, in uncounted millions, and the codlings covered the place like flies on a butcher's block. The little gourmand would stuff himself till the tail stuck out of his mouth. Then, with a wriggle, he would spew them out and begin all over again, just for the delight of eating. Naturally, with all this good feeding, Copsey grew till his skin almost cracked to cover him. When he first came to the ocean, he was hardly as long as your hen, and would weigh perhaps three ounces. In a month he was a strong, shapely fish, a foot long and weighing over a pound, and his appetite, instead of diminishing, only grew more and more voracious as he increased in weight. No more crustacea or codlings for him now. He had himself joined the bandits that had first frightened him, and was too big to be satisfied with such small fry. But when the shoals of brilliant Kaplan passed over him, making the sea look as if a rainbow had broken into bits and fallen there, his silver sides were seen flashing in and out among them. And then as he grew bigger and the Kaplan passed on shoreward with the tides, the herring came drifting in, like great silver clouds, with the seabirds screaming over them, and these were the best food of all. End of Part 1 End of Section 13